Welcome to the Sisters in Crime Writers Podcast. Everyone has a unique writing journey, so join us for conversations about those journeys from the writers themselves. Henrik is the Executive Director of Sisters in Crime, and I am thrilled to have Molly Weston on the podcast today. Molly's reviewed mysteries for more than 30 years and lectured about the genre for most of that time. For many years, she organized and hosted many tours of authors and moderated panels at conventions across the United States. In 2015, the Mystery Writers of America awarded her the Raven Award for outstanding achievement in the mystery field outside the realm of creative writing. She holds a BA in, in degree in English from UNC Chapel Hill. For 10 years, she edited in sync the Sisters in Crime Journal. A North Carolina native, she now lives in Garner, North Carolina. Welcome to the podcast, Molly. Thank you, Julie. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you and look forward to it. Um, you know, your Raven Award <laughs> winning um, participant in the mystery writing field. But, you know, when did you start realizing that you loved, were you always drawn towards mysteries or, you know, was it writers in general? Can you just talk about sort of how you became so involved with the community? Well, I started reading mysteries with, surprise, surprise, Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys. But I have always been a big reader. I had, by the time, now, I was from a very small southern town. We did not have a library. There were no bookstores in the area. Two uh, general stores, uh, big department stores, had a few shelves of books. And so by the time I graduated from high school, I had read all the fiction and all the biography in the library at the school. And uh, wow. I would, I started a, a book club in our, in my friends. We rotated backyards in the summertime, most of whom had some books and we shared uh, our books. And some of the girls didn't read, so I got to read their books first. <laughs> but uh, I've, I, uh, I've always liked to read, and I became more and more drawn to mysteries. And uh, once I was able to choose what I was reading, I, I always read mysteries. And do you know what the, the draw was for you in, the, in mysteries? Were it the characters or the puzzles or? Well, both in, in the uh, uncertainty. I've always been a problem solver. And uh, in my life, and uh, I, I really enjoyed not trying to figure out who done it, but enjoyed following along with the sleuth and mm -hmm. seeing that reasoning. And uh, I have read the Sherlock Holmes canon through and through several times, and. Uh, 
I've just always, that's been my favorite genre. Uh, I, I rarely read anything outside the genre now. I recently read one little book that was a World War II setting that I thoroughly enjoyed, but mysteries are, I don't think, I don't, I don't find novels as stimulating because they just kind of meander along and most of them can start right now or 20 years ago or two weeks from now and no problem. So I, I really like mysteries that have a path to them. And you reviewed books and mysteries for a while. Uh, tell me how you got involved with that. And that's changed over time. So, you know, also let's talk a little bit about criticism itself, but how did you get involved reviewing? I'm cheap. I've <laughs> always been cheap. And uh, we had a new bookstore in the area. I, I was working and uh, I started going over there and she put me on her mailing list, and which was done up by loving hands at home. You could tell it was done on a typewriter. And uh, I had just started in word process, in uh, desktop publishing. I had the very first business in, in the state, certainly in maybe, probably in the state, but certainly in the area. And uh, so I, and I noticed that they didn't have about two mysteries reviewed in the little newsletter. So I uh, had become friends with the owner by this time. And I said, you know what? I will be happy to lay out your newsletter for you if you will let me write, write uh, mystery reviews and let me have a store discount. And I spent my entire uh, discount on the mystery section. And so soon, the first time we published with my reviews, she sold out of those, the whole series. Wow. Well, it was, was a short series, but anyway. So uh, that, at that point in time, uh, another bookstore contacted me and wanted me to have the same uh, option with her. And so I thought, okay, I can do this. And uh, then I started publishing my own little newsletter. I had, I had gone to the first malice I went to, Ruth Cabin stood up and said, uh, she was looking for people to be judges in her St. Martin's Malice Domestic mm -hmm. uh, Award. And she said, we will send you everything you need. And so I got, I beat her back to her seat volunteering. <laughs> and she said, she took my name and, and address. And she said, now you do not have to read the entire manuscript. If you don't like it, you can stop it. Oh, no, I've never put down a book. Well, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I see why it was a contest. So I did that for several years. Wow. But, but she added me to her, um, I think it was, it was something from St. Mark's Press, the mystery sheet. 
And I I didn't realize what a big name she was. I, I had never heard of it before she stood up that day. And uh, so I called her and I said, you know, I am really interested in some of the books you have featured, but I can't afford to buy them. She said, well, how do you do your reviews? I said, well, I just buy my books. She said, oh, no, you don't need to buy your books. We will send them to you. So I would send her a list of what I wanted out of her newsletter. She'd send me a box of books. Wow. So that's when I started the uh, contacting other publishers. And they've been very generous over the over years. So. So Ruth Cavan, if, if for folks who don't know, um, was a an editor at St. Martin's for a very, very long time and, and a powerful uh, editor of mysteries um, with a lot of wonderful writers um, who she took under her wings and launched careers. And the Malice Domestic Prize uh, for unpublished novels is a big deal. And there are, again, some really wonderful writers who've won that prize over the years. So you've gotten to know those writers before anyone else did, which is kind of exciting, too. Sometimes. And, and Ruth was editing into her 90s. Yeah. And she was taking... I don't know if it was the bus or the subway, and uh, the publisher found out about it, and he said, "No, no, no, we'll send the car for you." <laughs> Amazing! What a so you eventually, I mean, as a reviewer, you can get lots of books from different places, um, but you've you've only got so much time and so much energy which is always an issue. But one of the reasons Sisters in Crime was founded 35 years ago was because not all women writers were getting the, the reviews, which matter, and, and getting, um, getting the notice. And so have you been intentional at how you've been choosing what you want to review? Did you sort of acknowledge some of the gaps or did you just go with this is what Molly wants to read? Well, absolutely, I have. But generally, for <coughs> excuse me, for a long time, I was more drawn to the women writers. Um, there were a lot of men I, I did read and still do, but uh, I don't know. You sort of feel a kinship with women. I think of your own gender. I know a lot of men who just would not read a woman author under fear of death. But um, we're gradually flattening the curve, I think, in that regard. Yeah, well, with help from folks like you, for sure. Um, so you also, you know, I, I've met you many years ago, but you were involved. I've seen you on panels for years. You, um, BoucherCon was in South Carolina how long ago? And, and North Carolina. North Carolina. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um, but you, you, you know, you've been involved in part of making things happen and working behind the scenes in the, as a community member. And for writers, that's really important to have that community, to have that support. Um, you know, what intrigues you or why did you find that you were drawn to sort of doing more and more and more to support the community? Well, that was, that's very easy. I love hanging out with authors. And uh, 
I've got lots of author friends, and that's how I started doing the mini tours. I uh, was talking with um, Lee Harris and Valerie Woolstein, and they had just toured somewhere, and I said, why don't you come to North Carolina? And they said, well, we're Midwest authors, and we don't get sent on tours. I said, well, you can come and stay with me and I will get you tours set up in North Carolina. And wow. I did. I Well, I had, by that time, I'd been doing mystery teas at all the bookstores. So I got, and then I thought, well, I can do this for other people. So we've, we've done that. Which is and, so great. And again, such a needed thing and such... You know, how lucky for those authors to have you figuring all of that out. Um, how, you know, did you, did you do solo tours? Did you have groups of people? You know, did, was it specific genres that you find got more interest from bookstores? Or, Well, I, I not only got them in bookstores, I got them in libraries and coffee shops yeah. and any place one time, I had six, six or seven authors at the same time, and they would stay at my house. Wow. We, we had a really big house, and my daughter was in, away in school. One time, I had to send my husband away. That have room for everybody. <laughs> and, uh, he, he didn't mind. He just went over to his day little farm and stayed with our daughter. But um, I, I just love it, and I don't think that he supposedly they're professionals, booksellers or librarians, but they don't read and know the authors and they just go now to the website and read the introduction. And they knew I wasn't gonna do that. Mm -hmm. And they, Stores and libraries knew they didn't have to do anything but open the door and welcome us. And I took it away then, and um, I just love doing that. And I'm going to moderate a panel at BoucherCon. Um, let's see, this, I guess, well, just before we got locked in the pandemic, I don't remember what year that was, um, McIntyre's in Farrington Village. Um, near Chapel Hill had a mystery weekend and I got to choose he he called it the cozy panel but we worked out some traditional authors in that and so we did that and anything I do they don't have to well yeah and you can't you care about the genre you care about the authors which matters too but um, not everyone could do this Molly not everyone could do a panel or or, you know, host a, an event with an author and make it interesting and something that people come back to, you know, likely when they saw that you were going to be there, they'd be drawn to it. Oh, um, yeah. They would come. Which yeah. is amazing. Did you ever think about becoming a book publicist or anything like that? I was a media escort for many years, and I enjoyed that, too. So your many, many different hats all came into play as you're, as you're figuring things out. Um, there's some really wonderful 
authors in your area as well. And so supporting local is also a wonderful thing to do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we just lost Margaret Marin, of course, and we just lost uh, someone else in, in her uh, writer's group. I, she wrote some cozies, Bryn Bonner, um, side recently, too. So we're holding on, but losing ground. Well, we're, we are losing these voices and the, the stories. I met Margaret Marin a couple of times, but I, I never got to know her. Um, and the stories about her and the beginning of Sisters in Crime and her role in supporting the organization and, you know, thinking this was a great idea and rolling up her sleeves and sending Sarah Paretsky a roll of stamps and all of the rest of it are just such wonderful stories um, but it wasn't a, you know, now we have over 4,000 members, but that wasn't a given in 1986, 1987, when right. they were talking about this organization. Absolutely. I, w I wasn't involved that early, uh, but it wasn't long thereafter. The uh, first bookstore that the co-op, the owner's mother told me about Sisters in Crime. And she had, they had introduced me to Margaret. And uh, so I joined uh, immediately. And that's how I learned about the conferences. But I couldn't get in. In fact, um, everything was snail mail then. And I kept writing the, writing the people at Malice. And I never heard for two years. And finally, I, I was able to... Uh, Join, and I asked my mother to give me that for my Christmas present. So I, I, my husband and I went, and we had a good time. Well, he didn't go to the conference, but we drove up to Bethesda. And so I've been going almost, uh, I think I've been to at least two conferences, most, most years three or four. So I just love it. It's really interesting that you talked about the booksellers letting you know about Sisters in Crime, because that's a conversation I've been having with other people as well, that I'm in my neck of the woods, there was a woman named Kate Mattis who ran um, Kate's Mystery Bookstore, and she talked to people all the time about joining and, and you know, recruited um, members. And I, I think that that's a fascinating um, part of the Sisters of Crime history is that there were so many people who were willing to help promote and to, to recruit members. Well, it's a symbiotic thing. You know, they just need booksellers and librarians and readers. And readers. That's one that really has concerned me. Uh, and I keep preaching that you've got to have readers and you need to cultivate the readers in Sisters in Crime because frequently they're really willing to be worker bees just like absolutely. I was to be able to hang out with authors. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's the strength of the community and readers are very important to the, to the uh, entire ecology for sure. Now you were recruited by Marsha Talley to do InSync, is that true? Yes. Yeah. Well, I had 
almost, I had talked with Annette Myers previously uh, when, the, when there was an opening and uh, I, I was traveling a lot with my, my job. I had to travel all over North Carolina with the work I was doing. And I just did not think that I could handle everything being away from home that much. And so uh, I didn't, but the funny thing was Martha was in one-on-one on one of the many tours. And she wow. was sitting, we were, I think we were going to Greensboro and she was, I was driving and she was, and she opened it and she said, expletives deleted. And I said, what's wrong? She said, we just lost what well, she called her name. We don't have an editor for NSYNC anymore. And I told her that I had almost applied before. She said, well, do. So I applied. I don't know how many applicants they had, but I got it and published the next issue. Wow. And, and uh, you did that for over 10 years, you know, talking to people and, and creating... InSync is interesting because it's not a newsletter; it's a journal. It's it's got a lot of information, a lot of um, stories, and uh, you know, Sisters in Crime is looking at ways to take some of the articles from the past ones and make sure people can find them and and know how great the content was. Um, and that gave you another opportunity to talk pe to people in the community and sort of reach out and have conversations. Yeah, and. Almost every even if Sisters in Crime didn't send me to a conference, and they they required me to go to Malice and VoucherCon, but in the beginning I went to lots of other conferences for Sisters in Crime, and I've always been, in fact, even before I started in Sisters in Crime, anytime I was at a work event. I would sit at a table with people I did not know. I would always, the people who worked for me, I'd say, don't sit together at the lunch. <laughs> Spread out, meet people, let them know what you're doing, because some of them would do that. But um, yeah, I recruited several people, you know, just getting talking to them and, oh, would you like, to, oh yeah, I'd love to. And, and uh, people, I rarely had to request somebody to write an article. Mm -hmm. So many people volunteered. And a lot of people volunteered other people, said, you need to contact so-and-so. And so, and so okay. that was not so only am I cheap, I'm lazy. <laughs> well, Molly, I, I don't I, I will refute that from firsthand experience, but what occurs to me as we're having these conversations is that you're a connector. I mean, there are some people who are just, you connect authors with opportunities and readers and people, and you, you, but you can see those connections. And that's a gift to authors because many of them, I don't know, you would know better than I, um, as far as, uh, you know, percentages are shy or aren't good at doing that connection or putting themselves out there to do a book tour or to, to figure some stuff out and, and you make it look easy, but you're able to make those connections. Well, I've, I've always done that sort of thing. Yes. 
I guess that was my, my mother was a teacher and my, my dad was the most gregarious person I've ever seen and very charismatic. So I've just, and when they were gone, I had to get, do it myself. So, <laughs> Well, the community is grateful that you did because look at all the, the changes and the differences that you're making for sure. Um, what's your favorite story about anything? You know, tell me, tell me some stories. Tell me a Margaret Marin story or tell me a story. Oh, Margaret. Margaret and Joe. Joe was a, an art professor at Meredith College in Raleigh. And they lived on her family farm. And it, it was just sort of one of those little frame houses that kind of grew like Topsy or whatever they needed. And uh, one of the early tours that I, I brought in, she called up and invited us to come have supper with them. Supper in the South is in the evening dinners at lunchtime. Um, and so we went down and she had a big sandwich spread and she, she made it a point for everybody to stand up against the door frame and she marked their height and put their name beside it. And I, I said, oh no, you just want, no, mom, get over here. And uh, I don't know if it was that time or another time. She, uh, she said, I'm gonna do an article about lipsticks. And I thought, oh, okay. And she <laughs> said, I want everybody to put out one of their lipsticks and she was noticing how people had put their lipstick on in different shapes. And wow. sometimes people have those little twirls with the points. Yeah. And slants and flat. And it was rounded. It was just very, very interesting. She was, she just saw things that yeah. another, most people, and one of her, uh, the last time I, I was there was in um, at Christmas time before she had her stro stroke. Well, she'd had one stroke, but and she uh, and inv they invited me to go with her writing group, and uh, we, she wanted everybody to go by this local barbecue joint and bring their own lunch, which was lovely for everybody of course you got to eat what you wanted and uh, we got there and her husband Joe as we were leaving said now I want you to see my garden and he showed us all the places and they were they were continuing to garden one wow. time when we went down there she had uh, established a garden um Sarah Ann Freed was her agent for many years and they had lost Sarah and she had established a little memorial garden for her and had a bench with her name on it. Well, that's and lovely. They're just very down to earth people. And, uh, I, and she would call me up and say, Molly, you need to, uh, she called me early on and said, there's this, new author, Virginia Lanier. And she's with a small press and they've never published a mystery and they don't know how to promote her. So you need to 
<laughs> I came to review her, so I got a hold of the book and loved it. It was Death and Bloodhound Red. I don't know how many people have read that because Virginia's been gone a long time now. But uh, anyway, I reviewed it. And though um, so Nancy Olson, well, Margaret got Nancy Olson to schedule a signing for Virginia at Quail Ridge Books in Raleigh. And so I went, of course, and Margaret and Nancy and I were the only people there. Wow. Because nobody had heard of her still. Yeah. But um, we, had, we had just the best time because we just, and Virginia said, I don't like to read. I, and I'm thinking, I don't like to be read to, so it suits me. Uh, <laughs> but Margaret got her talking and she just told these wonderful stories about how she started to write and uh, why she chose the bloodhounds. And that, that was just one of many exciting things. That one of my best sisters in crime trips was to New Orleans. We went to the, it was like a study tour at the ALA conference there. Mm. And uh, <clears throat> Kathy Pickens was the uh, president then, and she, she had chosen all the restaurants where we would eat. And we ate, oh my goodness, <laughs> it was wonderful. Never ate at the same place twice. But uh, we interviewed librarians and booksellers and how they interacted in the mystery world. And then we had a, uh, uh, I think at the Palace Cafe, we had a, a dinner for them and any of the authors who were in town. And that was just a, a really lovely, lovely memory. Well, and those publishing summits, which are available uh, on the site, were so helpful you know the, the the publishing world has changed so much you know even the past five years but so helpful in in letting um, members know what was going on and giving them insights and giving them information in times when it wasn't easy always to understand or to get that sort of really useful um, actionable information right yeah well, New Orleans is also a great place to have a conference. So. <laughs> um, restaurants alone. So, you know, you won the Raven Award in 2015, which is a big deal um, for your contributions. And and how did that feel when to be recognized um, like that? It was probably the only time in my life I, I was speechless. When... Uh, they called me and told me about it. And I, I just, I couldn't believe it. And I could not verify it anywhere. Finally, I called, uh, oh, who was the, the executive secretary for uh, Marjorie Flax? Yes, I called her. I said, Marjorie, this is Molly Weston. And I had met her and known her for years. I said, is it true? She said, yes, it is. <laughs> It's just just uh, wonderful. And the cool thing about it for me, I was the first non-bookseller 
since mm -hmm. FDR and Bill Clinton. Wow. And so I just felt like I, there was a bookseller that year too, but I just felt like that was a, a total, total honor. Yeah, no, it's so great. I mean, it's such an honor. It's a great looking award. Um, but it's also um, to be recognized like that for contributions, because as we talk about in Sisters in Crime, uh, in order to, to for all this all to work, we need people like you. We need, um, and I know you write as well, but we need reviewers. We need people who can connect people. We need community people, you know, people who could think on different levels because to help everybody look up and, and have a better game going forward. Yeah. I, I have totally enjoyed almost every minute. Well, I love hearing the stories. I love hearing the Margaret Marin story. Um, and, you know, she is and will be remembered. She was the second president of Sisters in Crime and uh, is was an incredibly important part of us and, and of the mystery community because, as you said, she supported emerging writers. She was, she was part of the let's lift everybody up, which is um, part of what makes it all work. Yeah. Molly, thank you so much for being on the podcast and for being part of Sisters in Crime. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. Thank you for being with us today. Sisters in Crime is about community. We were founded to advocate for women crime writers, and we continue that mission by fighting for equity in the crime writing community. Sisters in Crime is an international, inclusive organization for all who write and love crime fiction, mystery, thrillers, and suspense. Join us at sistersincrime.org and make sure you subscribe to this podcast.